everybody. How you doing? Good. Hope you're staying safe. Hope you're staying well. Uh, no matter what's going on out there, you know, we, we know it. We've seen the news. We, we've heard it. No matter what's going on out there, we, we have the choice to respond in worship, praising our God who does not change. His love for you has not changed. His sovereignty has not changed. The fact that he is here in this place, in this country, has not changed. And so he's just worth our worship this morning. Let's stand and sing.
Amen. A lot of the times, you know, we, we can get this, and Craig's going to talk about this. We didn't plan it the first service, but we ended up talking about the same thing, so that works out. But a lot of times in life, it can feel like, where is God? Where is he in the midst of this? And the, and the truth in scripture is that, that God doesn't change. He doesn't go anywhere. And he's still here. He's still in this country. He's still in this church. And he's still worthy of our worship. He is sovereign. Nothing changes that. We have hope. No matter how dark it may seem, there is hope. something if we didn't acknowledge the darkness. We didn't acknowledge it and just passed by. And we're missing something. But God, God is the light in the darkness. He's not just light. He's the light in the midst of the darkness. And so as we worship, can we just believe together that God is here. He's in this place.
courage again. Just as a faithful reminder of who God is. not about who we are. It's about who you are. Lord, we are nothing but sinners, but you are the God who gives grace, who makes a way out, who gives us hope, who gives us peace. Just pray that you be in this country, be in this time. Let us worship you this morning without distraction. We have power in the name of Jesus. Name we pray. Amen. You guys can take a seat. This is usually the, the time in our service where we have offering, uh, but instead of passing a tray around, we encourage you to give online at www.ferncreekcc.org. There's a big giving tab on the page. You just click that, you won't miss it, uh, and it will direct you how to move your giving online uh, during this time. Uh, but if you brought an envelope, there are black boxes in the back of the sanctuary and also on the way on the doors on the way out that you can drop your envelope into. If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, this is a great time to open those up as we start our new series today called Elevate as we listen from Craig. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Uh, those of you who are here worshiping with us live and for all of those on our online campus who are watching and worshiping with us online, we want to say hey to you. Hey, I, I don't know about you, but, but my heart is heavy today. Um, man, there's, you know, there's this pandemic that we're dealing with. We're wearing masks and they're uncomfortable and my glasses keep fogging up and uh, and then all of this all of this stuff that's happening to not only our state but our country all the injustice that that we see and sides that are being taken and um, I just feel heavy and I want to acknowledge that um, 
I, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, I, I am learning things uh, about my perspectives that uh, I've never learned before. Uh, I'm, I'm going to open that up to you in the weeks to come because I, I, I want to make sure. Just because you have an opinion doesn't mean your opinion's right. And, and I want to make sure that, uh, that I'm learning about some things. And, um, but all, all I know how to do is just to pray. I, 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 know, I know how to do that, and I know that that's what we need. So before we launch into our, our sermon today, could, could you just pray with me? And as I'm praying, if there's anything in that prayer that, that registers with you, would you affirm uh, to the Lord as we go through this? So let, me, let me just pray for us. Lord, we, we come today acknowledging our deep need for you. We, we are such a broken nation. We are such a broken community. We say we want to protect the most vulnerable, yet we don't lift a finger to protect the unborn. We say we love other people, but we verbally demean those on Facebook that disagree with us. We talk about the great mosaic of your church, and yet we struggle with prejudice gender gaps, political division. Jesus, you said a house divided against itself will not stand. And many of us have felt and continue to feel the walls of the house crumble. And God, our hope is not to be found in education. We know what we need to know. Our hope is not found in a vaccine. Some other sickness will come along. Our hope is not found in human accomplishment. There are things we simply can't fix. Our hope is not in the government. They fight and they argue. Our hope is not in softer hearts because the heart is deceitful. God, our only hope comes from you. And God, we have strayed. We have lifted our hands and bent our hearts to others. So God, forgive us for looking for answers only you can provide. Forgive us for not following your will, your way. God, we acknowledge we are a selfish people, full of pride, full of prejudice. We don't turn the other cheek. We don't love our neighbor as ourselves. We've dropped the ball. So, Father, I, I, I just pray. I don't know what to do but to pray for the families who, who have lost so much. I pray for Brianna Taylor's family, for George Floyd's family, for Ahmaud Aubrey's family. I, I just can't even imagine the pain the anger, the frustration of so many who've been hurt. God, you said if we humble ourselves, we seek your face, and we turn from our wicked ways, you would hear our prayer and you would heal our land. And that's what we need. We need healing from you. Now help us to pursue those three things because, God, you said healing would not come unless we did three things. So, God, teach us to walk in humility. Teach us to continue to seek your face. 
Teach us to continue to turn from our own personal wickedness. You're the only answer. May revival come. May Jesus be lifted high. We pray this in your name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I can't think of a better time than today to launch a brand new series that we're calling Elevate. Because we all need to elevate right now. Now, you, you understand when I say the word elevate what I mean, right? Like, like, like when you want to elevate something, you want to take something to the next level. And people elevate all kinds of things. I mean, there are people who want to elevate a relationship. Just take it to the next level. There are people who want to elevate their golf game or elevate learning how to cook or smoke brisket or elevate their understanding of another language. So... Again, when we say elevate, we're saying taking one thing from one level and putting it on another level. So the idea behind this series is we want to elevate our relationship with God. We want to take wherever we are now and we want to move it up a notch, move it up a level. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's something that all of us in this room would hold our hand up and say, yeah, I I am open to taking my walk with God to the next level. And I think that's something that God wants for all of us as well. I think God's up there going, hey, if you feel connected to me at a five, I want you to get to a six. If you would score your relationship with me on a, at a seven, I, I really want you to get it to an eight, right? So this is something that he not only wants, but I think it's something that we want as well. Well, when you read the, the Bible, there, there were some fellas in the Old Testament who wanted to elevate their relationship with God. And you know how they got there? They got there with a change in altitude, I, I didn't mean attitude. Sometimes, what, did, did he mean attitude? No, altitude. Th- th- there are some men in the Bible that elevated their faith game on top of a mountain. They, they climbed a mountain, they came off, and their relationship with God was totally different. Some of the biggest steps of faith are taken on top of mountains. Now, I don't know why that occurred on top of a mountain, right? I don't know if it's because mountains dot the landscape of the Holy Land. I don't know if if that's all about, well, mountains, you know, might be closer to God physically than the, I don't know if it's thin air. I, I don't know what, why, but for some reason, God often manifests, often reveals himself a lot more clearly on top of a mountain. So for the next five weeks, we're going to join the climbing parties, and we're going to follow some famous mountain climbers of the Bible. We're going to walk in the footsteps of Noah and Abraham and Elijah and Caleb And what we're going to learn is, man, they came off the mountain different. And as someone who's climbed mountains before, man, you you don't come off the mountain ever the same. The mountain changes you. And there's something about God's presence that changes you. And that's my hope and prayer is that each week as we climb back down from the mountain that God will speak to us and it'll somehow elevate our walk with him. So let's just jump in. Let's jump in. Our first mountain and our first mountain climber are solely unique. I mean, as a matter of fact, this is the only guy in all of human history to get to the top of a mountain by boat. No, no other guy can say that. I mean, instead of hiking, instead of climbing, he floated to the top of the mountain. Who am I talking about? Turn to your neighbor. Who am I talking about? Noah. Do do you know the name of the mountain? It's Mount... Yeah, Mount Ararat. Mount Ararat. And so that's the mountain. That's the mountain climber that we're going to follow today. Let me, let me remind you of the story. Genesis chapter 6 tells us that all of humanity, all of humanity, 
has turned their back to God. They've rebelled against God. The Bible says the only inclination of the human heart was evil. And God looked at creation and he was sorry he even did what he did. So God said, I'm going to start all over. I'm going to destroy it all. Start again. But there was one man who found favor, found grace in his eyes. And the guy was Noah. And and God said to Noah, I'm going to spare you and spare your family, so I want you to build this boat, and I'm going to bring you some animals. And God did all of that, and Noah did all of that, and the rain fell, and Noah got into the ark. That's that's the account. That's what most of us know, but that's where it kind of stops. And I want to just remind you what took place, and maybe we'll find a way to elevate our faith. When Noah goes into the boat, there's there's a lot of numbers in the next chapter, chapter 7. And I did the math. I wanted to do the math because the Bible starts spewing all these numbers. And so let me just run through the math with you for a second. The rains fall and the fountains of the deep open for 40 days and for 40 nights. After that, for the next 150 days, water will cover the surface of the planet. The ark will come to rest on Mount Ararat. In the next 75 days, it takes for the top of Mount Ararat to become visible. Forty days after that, Noah sends out a raven and he sends out a dove for the first time. Seven days after that, he sends out the dove for the second time. Seven days after that, he sends out the dove for the third time. Fourteen days later, Noah looks out and sees dry land. Sixty days later, God says to Noah, it's good, you can leave the ark. So that's all the numbers. So I did the math. I did the math. You ready for this? Noah was on the ark for 393 days. Now, are you with me? Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Noah had to stay healthy at home for 393 days. He had to shelter in place for 393 days. He had to quarantine for 300. There were no trips to Kroger. There were no Sunday drives. It's he and his family in the same space for 13 straight months. 60 days for us almost killed us. Imagine 393 days being quarantined. Now, I can't prove it. I can't prove it. But I, I kind of think Noah's sons, he had three sons that went with him into the boat. I can't prove it, but I tend to think none of those were teenagers. None of those boys were teenagers. Can't prove it, but I don't think they were. Because the Bible says the three boys went into the ark, the three boys came out of the ark, and if they were teenagers, someone would have died. Either they would have got thrown overboard or mom or dad would have jumped, but you know, I don't think they were they were teenagers. And if you have these romantic thoughts about, oh, this this would have been so awesome. This is like the carnival dream, this big luxury, like there's Mr. and Mrs. Noah by the pool and doing the limbo on the Lido deck and the midnight chocolate buffet. No, no. Everybody on the planet's dead but them. The donkeys won't shut up, the monkeys keep stealing your Cheetos, all your hiding spots have been discovered, and your spouse hasn't shaved or clipped their toenails in 393 days. Yikes. Right? Now, now when you read this account, the Bible doesn't tell us, doesn't talk very much about how Noah felt during that 13-month gap doesn't say how Mrs. Noah felt or how the kids felt or how their spouses felt. There's no emotional dialogue whatsoever, but, but you know emotionally this had to take a toll. I mean, they had witnessed their friends die. 
They had heard people pounding on the boat. Let, let, let me in. Save my child. Their whole world was gone. It was just them. And they're lost, drifting like a bobber in the middle of nothing but water. And for 393 days, God doesn't say a word. Did you know that? When you read Genesis, Genesis 7.13, Noah goes into the ark. Genesis 8.14, Noah comes out of the ark. That's 13 months. God doesn't speak to him at all. God goes dark. God goes silent. And as I read that and I did the math, I, I just wondered, I wonder if Noah in that 13-month window ever felt alone. I wonder if he felt forgotten. I wonder if he felt abandoned by God. Like, God, why won't you say something? Why won't you speak to me? And then I wondered, I wonder if you've ever felt that way. Have you ever felt that God has been silent to you? Maybe your life was one way and then all of a sudden it started to rain and the rain hasn't stopped. And God just won't speak and you can't feel him and you can't hear him. Maybe it was the doctor who called and said it was, it's cancer. Maybe it was a knock on the door at 3 in the morning. Maybe it was a, you've got to relocate to an entirely new city and start all over again. Maybe you and your spouse have prayed to, to get pregnant and to have a child, but nothing's happening. Maybe your son or daughter has struggled with addiction, and you keep praying and praying and praying, and you don't hear anything from God, and they're still addicted. Maybe there was a day when you prayed, and you just felt when you prayed connected to God, but now when you pray, you just feel like, the words just hit the ceiling and bounce back down. Maybe there was a day when you came to church and you sang and you closed your eyes and, 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 and just a, a, a worship of, of, of praise and joy flooded from your mouth, but now you can't even mouth the words. Maybe like Noah, you've, you've longed for God to speak. You've longed to feel his presence and all you get is the crashing of waves against the boat. And if you ever wake up one day and feel that, if you're feeling that today, I want you to know you're in good company. I want you to know that that's sometimes a normal process. Craig, how, how, how can you say that? Well, because many of our great heroes of the faith felt that. Probably the most famous Old Testament hero is David. King David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the one who took down the giant, the one that the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. Listen to what David wrote. Look at Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? There's a man right there who feels forgotten, who feels abandoned, who can't hear, who can't feel the presence of the one he loves. Or, or how about the son of God himself, Jesus? Do you remember when Jesus was on the cross? <clears throat> he, he cries out at one point, my God, my God, why have you, what's the next word? Forsaken. Do you know what that word in the Greek means? Abandoned. Why have you abandoned even the Son of God felt in this moment that, that he was alone, that he was forgotten. So if that's you today, I just want to tell you, don't beat yourself up. 
If at some point in your life you wake up one day and you find yourself there and you go, am I, am I even a Christian at all? No, 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 don't, don't beat yourself up. I'd ask you to do one thing, one thing. If you ever wake up one day and you feel forgotten, you feel alone, you feel abandoned by God, would you do me one favor? Would you come back to just one verse? Would you just settle back in and, and just come back to one verse in the account of Noah? And it's Genesis chapter 8, and it's the very first verse. Let me read it to you. Genesis 8.1 says, But God remembered. God remembered Noah. And all the wild animals and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. Now, <laughs> I, I know when you read that, God remembered Noah. What was God doing? Was he bowling with the angels? Was he hiking somewhere in heaven and went, oh my gosh, Noah. Whoa. No, no. God was with. God was there. Right? Even though God hadn't spoken to Noah for 13 months, he never forgot. His eye was always on Noah. So no matter how long the rain falls, no matter how dark or how deep it gets in your life, God's eye is always on the sparrow and it's always on you. So even though he didn't speak to Noah for 13 months, if you, if you look real close at your Bibles, if you really look intently you won't hear God's voice. You might not see God's mighty hand, but you'll see his fingerprints. If you look close, you'll see his fingerprints all over the, that chapter that Noah waits. Right? And I want to show you how God remembered him. Genesis 8.1 says God remembered him. I'm going to show you how he did it. And I think there's great comfort for us. Look at Genesis chapter 8, verse 1. God remembered Noah by sending a wind. Let me read it to you again. God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock with him in the boat. He sent a wind to blow across the earth, and the floodwaters began to recede. Now, what I find very, very interesting in this whole verse is, is that the flood, the, the, the rains falling down and the fountains of the deep bursting open, that happened in 40 days. And then the rain stopped and the fountains of the deep were closed. So, so for the, the catastrophe of the flood only lasted 40 days. It's about 10% of the story. So Noah and his family on the boat, they see, they feel, they hear God's hand for about 10% of the time. 90% of the time, all that happens is they float and wait. They just float and wait. That, that's the longest part, is always floating and waiting for God, right? No one his family couldn't see, they couldn't hear, they couldn't feel anything. But that didn't mean God was absent. I don't know why seasons of loneliness can last so long. I mean, there are times when it just seems like all you can see is the ocean, all you can you know, hear are the waves, all you can feel is the isolation. But listen to me, what Noah, what God's sending the wind teaches me, reminds me is just because you can't see something happening doesn't mean nothing's happening. Can I say that again? Just because you can't see something happening doesn't mean nothing's happening. God was sending the wind and Noah couldn't see it, Noah couldn't hear it, Noah couldn't feel it, but God was 
even when I don't see it, you're working? That was the story of Noah. The wind had been sent by God, and it took weeks and months before Noah could see it and feel it and hear it. So listen, God is sovereign. God moves and controls and works everything according to his purpose. He holds the wind in the hollow of his hands. He tells the oceans just how far they can go, and they listen. He hung the stars, and he knows them by name. He keeps the snow and the lightning in his barn. He tells, he tells creation when to open, when to close, when to stop, when to hold back. So I, I guess what I want to show you is don't give up. Don't despair. When the storm has passed, and you, you find yourself floating in your own ark of just nothing but waiting, and floating, and it's quiet. Remember, there is one who sends the wind, and God is working, and he is moving, even if you can't see it. So God remembered Noah by sending a wind. The second way God remembered Noah is he sent him a sign. He sent him a sign. On the 190th day, when the ark kind of bumps up against Mount Ararat, and water still covers everything, Noah is going to send out a raven, and the raven doesn't return. And then Noah sends out a dove, and the dove doesn't return. And then he waits seven days, and he sends out the dove again, and the dove comes back with an olive branch. And then he's seven more days, and the dove doesn't come back. I, I want to show you those were signs. Those were signs. The first time when the dove didn't come back with anything, that was a sign that this water is still covering Everything, And then when the dove came back with an olive branch in its beak, that was a sign. That was a physical sign where Noah was like, oh, things are changing. And then when the dove didn't come back the third time, Noah was like, man, the water's receding. And all I'm saying to you is that little bird, that little bird brought so much hope. It, 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 that little dog brought so much hope. That kind of scared me, man. That little... That, that little bird breathed so much courage in, into Noah's heart. It was a physical sign. And, and, and what I want to ask you is this. If you were to look back at the course of your life, could you see physical signs? Has God ever given you a physical sign? Like, like a rose in the winter. You say, Craig, what do you mean physical sign? Because God does it. I mean, maybe the physical sign for you was a phone call that came at just the right time. Maybe the physical sign was a person who showed up unexpectedly. Maybe the physical sign was an envelope that came with a check for just the right amount. Maybe it was a song. Maybe it was a dream. Maybe it was a sermon. But I guarantee you, those signs happen all the time. And you and I have just got to look for them. They're, they're those little moments when God puts something physical into our path, path and it, that, that just whispers, I still, I'm still here, and I still got you, and you just need to hang on. So Noah, I think, man, God moved in his life by sending him those, those signs. Thirdly, God remembered Noah by sending his words. Finally, 393 days, finally God speaks. And listen to what God says. Look at Genesis chapter 8, verse 15. Then God, on the 393rd day, God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives, 
Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, all the creatures that move along the ground, so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number upon it. Man, 13 months. But finally, God speaks to Noah in a way Noah can understand. And I read that this week, and I thought, man, wouldn't that be so awesome for, to, to hear God audibly speak to you? Like, that's never happened to me. But, I mean, like, it, wouldn't it be awesome to, to have God speak to you, right? Like, you're feeling alone or you're feeling discouraged or you're feeling a little afraid and you're sitting at your desk and all of a sudden you, you hear God say, Craig, <laughs> I see you. Ooh, and he speaks with reverb. I see you. I love you. Get, get up from thine desk and go to Skyline Chili. There you will meet, there you'll meet a man in a Hawaiian shirt who will pay for your lunch, so go big. I am well pleased in you, my son. Have a great day. Wouldn't that be awesome, right? Now, now again, God's never audibly spoken to me, right? But I want you to understand this. I can hear his voice every single day. You can hear his voice every single day. All you got to do is open up your Bible. Because the Bible is not just the words of, of men, it's the words of God. And so every time you open your Bible, you read his words to you. You read stuff like Isaiah 43 too, where your father says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. Friends, those are his words to you. Or Psalm 147.3, where God says, I heal the brokenhearted, I bind up their wounds. That's his voice to you. Or you hear Revelation 21.4, I will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death, sorrow, crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. Friend, that is, that is your father's words. That is his voice. So, so when you go through seasons of feeling alone, feeling forgotten, feeling abandoned, open up that Bible and let your father speak to you. Hear his word. And God remembered Noah. He remembered him by sending a wind. He remembered by sending him some signs. He remembered by sending his word. And then lastly, and probably my most favorite, he remembered Noah by sending him a covenant. Oh, this is one of my favorites. He remembered Noah by sending him a covenant. So as Noah leaves the ark into this brand new world where everything's changed, everything's different, God, one of the last things God will do is he'll, he'll give him this covenant, this this sign that never again will he destroy the earth by flood. And turn to your neighbor and tell them what was the covenant, what was the sign. Do you remember? Yeah, it was the rainbow, the rainbow. Look at Genesis chapter 9. Let me just remind you. Then God said, I'm giving you a sign of my covenant with you and all the living creatures for all generations to come. I placed my rainbow in the clouds. It's the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. So, so whenever you see a rainbow... God sees it, and it's our covenant reminder that, that God uh, is a gracious God. He'll never again destroy the world by, by flood. The rainbow is the sign of assurance. It's the symbol of grace. And here's what I think is so cool about the rainbow that's found in, in Genesis. Right? Go to the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and I want to show you something really, really cool. The writer of Revelation is the Apostle John, and John gets to see into heaven, and as John is writing, he gets to see the throne of God himself. 
and listen to what John sees as he's trying to describe the throne and the one sitting on the throne. Listen to what he writes in Revelation chapter 4. He says, and he who was sitting on the throne, he was sitting there, he, he was like, like a jasper stone and a sardis stone in appearance. So, so John sees the throne of God and it's glowing like two, two stones. Now let me unpack something with you. The jasper stone. Now, I think they're jasper stones today, but they're nothing like the ancient jasper. The ancient jasper stone was crystal. Crystal. It, it was a symbol for purity, holiness. So the one sitting on the throne is pure and holy. Something interesting about the jasper stone, the high priest of God's people in the Old Testament, he, he wore this breastplate that had 12 different stones, one for each tribe of Israel. The very last stone was the jasper stone. Hang on to that. And then there's another stone. There's the sardis stone. It glowed like jasper and it glowed like the sardis stone. Well, the, the sardis stone was blood red and it symbolized the wrath of God. The holy, righteous wrath of God. He is a holy God and sin cannot enter his presence. The Sardis stone was the first stone on the breastplate of the high priest. So you had the first and the last. So this image of God is he's holy and he's pure and he's righteous and sin cannot stand in his presence. You say, well, Craig, what does that have to do with a rainbow? Keep reading. Look at what we read. He was sitting like a jasper stone and sardis in appearance, and there was a, here it is, what's the word? Rainbow. There was a rainbow where? Around the throne. Around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. I think what John is driving at, John is seeing the throne of God, and what does he see? A holy, righteous God who filters everything through grace. Filters everything through grace. The blood of Jesus has turned the throne of judgment into a throne of grace. And I need to know that. And maybe you need to know that today as well. So when God sits on his throne and he sees the blood of Jesus, man, his word to you and I echoes through Isaiah 54. For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you. My covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. So child of God, when you feel alone, you feel forgotten, and it's been forever since you have felt or heard a word from God and you begin to question, Remember, God sees you. He hears you. His eye is never off of you. He holds you in the palm of his hand. And he will remember you by sending a wind. Even when you can't see it, hear it, or feel it, he will work on your behalf. And from time to time, he'll drop some physical signs along the way. Look for them. He's going to send you his word every day. You can hear from him, and he will remind you that you are his son, that you are his daughter, that you are no longer under law, you are under grace. You are never alone. He never forgets, always sees, always remembers. 
And as we head into communion, I hope that'll be something that you think about right now. As we take communion today, we're going to invite you to, if you, if you feel like you want to take it home and take it, you know, at your own leisure, you, you can do that. But we would invite you to take it with us, and you got little kits that are right in front of you, and so we're going to give you some time to think and to pray about what God's laying on your heart, and, and when you're done, as we dismiss you, we'll drop those off on the way out. But I, I just want to pray, let me pray as we set up communion time, and then we'll let you take communion and remember Jesus. Father, as we look at our world, we feel and we see and we sense things are changing. Everything's kind of turned upside down. And God, we don't know what to think. And, and, we, and we cry out, God, what are you doing? Are you there? Do you see? Do you hear? Do you know? And God, we're reminded with Noah that you do see. You do hear. You do know. So, so God... Thank you for sending Jesus, that the throne of judgment is now a throne of grace. And so God, as we reflect upon your love today, may you just have a conversation with us as we remember what Jesus did. Thanks for not forgetting us. Pray that elevates our faith. In Jesus' name we pray.
invite you to stand and worship with us, but if you want to keep praying, that's totally okay too. And if you want to stay seated, that's fine. But uh, we're, we're going to sing one more song together. storm surrounding me let it break at your name still call the sea to still the rage in me to still every way at your name Jesus Jesus you Worshiping here, or those of you worshiping online, thanks for uh, for being with us. Hey, one quick announcement, and then we're going to release you some like, kind of a section at a time. We started this Thursday night thrive, and uh, 
you know, that, 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 if those of you who are watching online, if you're looking for a service to get back into, maybe we had about 45 people at that service. This service, the second one on Sunday, is kind of starting to grow, and that's awesome. But if you're looking to get back in, man, Thursday night would be a great, great night to come at 7 o'clock. What we are going to do this coming Thursday is going to be different from what took place today. So Thursday kind of kicks kicks our whole sermon series week off. So uh, Thursday is awesome, and uh, these two services on Sunday, again, pre-register for them. Thanks for your, your, your patience with us, your, your, your generosity, uh, your grace as we learn how to regather for corporate worship, but it is cer certainly so good to see you. Let me pray for us, and then we'll release you a section at a time. Lord, I, I, need, I need the words of that song. You make the darkness tremble and you silence fear. There's a lot of darkness and there's a lot of fear in our world right now. God, I specifically just want to pray for your intervention. God, I want, you know, one or two bad apples don't spoil the whole bunch. And I just want to pray for all of our medical personnel, all of our law enforcement. God, um, I pray for understanding because this is, this is just it's like a tender keg ready to explode and it has exploded and I just pray for your understanding and your peace. God, I pray for your protection. I pray that we would learn to listen. God, we, we look at life through only one set of lenses and it's awfully hard to try to look at life from another perspective but teach us how to do that because we need to do that. So God, I'm asking you to do something that only you can do. May revival break forth as we learn to love and learn to listen. God, uh, just uh, elevate our faith. I pray that in Jesus' name.